Welcome in to another episode of the Bet the Nerds Fantasy Show. Um, we're back after a pretty low-scoring week six. Um, points were pretty consolidated between like Julio Jones and Derrick Henry. But other than that, there weren't too many big blow-ups. We'll go through some of the bops later, though, um, in that section. We have Sunday School, as usual. We'll have a little tilt-tastic, and we have some news. We have some really exciting news to get into, so let's get right into that. The 3-3 three and three Miami Dolphins have promoted Tua Tungavailoa, I don't know if I said that correct, to their uh, starting quarterback. This is interesting. A two and oh, they're 2-0 and oh in the past two weeks, so I would expect this to come after a losing streak. But right. Tua gets a start against the Rams defensive line next week. <laughs> what, do you, what does this mean for the Miami options, more importantly? It's very exciting for Tua himself, but what does this mean for the fantasy options? Is it a downtick? Well, first of all, I'm kind of shocked because they're three and three. They're in second place in the division. They're a game back of the Bills. They're a half game ahead of the Patriots. So they're still like, they're in the thick of things. They're certainly in play for a wild card spot. So I just wasn't expecting this change. What this change tells me is that even right now, they think Tua gives them the best chance to win because the only that's the only way they would make this move is if they if they think this is what's going to make them. Like, these are giving them the best chance. So, based on that belief that they have in him, that they that they must have, I think you have to still believe in all the options, like Gasicki, like uh, Devontae Parker, like Preston Williams, and like yeah. Miles Paskin. Like, you have, you have to keep writing with them because they clearly think that Tua is, is the guy. And until we see otherwise, I think most fantasy owners can, can trust it for now. Yeah, Gasicki was a guy who fantasy owners thought we could – trust he was getting a lot of red zone targets he goosed this past week i don't yeah. think I, I think if fitzpatrick stays a starter they're probably dropping gasicki i think you wait it out a week see what two his tendencies are if he likes you know rookies do like throwing to the tight end a lot herbert's been throwing to, to hunter henry a lot so let's see what two his tendencies are and then we'll move forward with the pieces from there but for now you're probably going to still start Devonte parker and other pieces um Johnny Smith left the game with a minor ankle sprain, and we saw what Anthony Ferksker did after Smith left. We'll get to that later in the Bob section. But this was one of the top five tight ends in fantasy currently, and it's a minor ankle sprain. He's supposed to be day-to-day, and he has a chance to play in week seven. Um, but it's just like I'm going to get to another point that I have in Sunday school with my takeaways, but – Tight ends are at a premium right now, and Johnny Smith was one of those top tight ends. So we'll, we'll talk about that later for sure. Um, Raheem Mostert left the game with a high ankle sprain, and he didn't return. So he's going to go on the IR. He's going to be out for the next three weeks um, at a minimum. What does this mean for San Francisco backfield? McKinnon's just the lead back again? I ha- have to imagine he is. Um, this, this backfield is really hard to trust. You never know who's going to get the touches. I think Jeff Wilson is still healthy, so he'll still be involved. But we've seen that when Tevin Coleman and uh, Mostert are both out, McKinnon is he's like he's a locked-in starter. Yeah. So if those two guys are out, you're starting McKinnon, and you're hoping that Shanahan doesn't do something annoying and give uh, Jermichael Hasty a bunch of touches again. So Miles Sanders also left the game with an injury, and like this is just another. I guess, bowling pin that just got knocked down for the Eagles. Like, what, what are we supposed to do here? 
every time Miles Sanders gets hurt, we also don't really have a distinct backup. Boston Scott hasn't been good in Miles Sanders' uh, previous absences. Um, but this was a guy who I almost traded for. He has a really easy schedule coming up, has the Giants, Dallas, and Giants the next three games. And, uh, I mean, I dodged a bullet. This is I, this is Miles Sanders has been an injury-prone back for the past few weeks. I think you can play Boston Scott. We'll talk about him later in the cop section. But this is just devastating for an Eagles team that is just going through injuries week after week. Do you have anything to say about Sanders? Yeah, this was pretty much the only the only negative of my fantasy week because I have Sanders on a couple teams, and that that was a tough injury to see. Yeah, uh, but. I mean, you, you, like, if, you, if you're owning him, you just got to ride it out. You, you're not going to get anything in return for him. No one's going to trade for injured player. I never, ever trade away injured players because you're never going to get a good value. Um, the only way you're trading him is if you're super, super desperate for, like, a win in the next couple weeks. Thankfully, I'm not. But that's, it, it's tough. And in other Eagles injury news, the washed-up tight end, Zach Ertz, <laughs> is out probably just this one week. Um, and we'll talk about Dallas Goddard later. I think he's going to be activated from the IR. But it, it, this is just so devastating for the Eagles. I just went through this saga when I was talking about Sanders. But yeah, Ertz, he'll miss a week or two. And I was kind of in on Carson Wentz, you know, with the schedule moving forward, two good games against two good defenses in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. But with all these options out, I kind of feel like a Thursday night game against the Giants might be a trap game. What do you think about that? I mean, this Giants defense has been legit. Yeah. I mean, we like to we like to make fun of the Giants because they're not a good team, but their defense has been playing well for most of the year. And while it's not like a, a horrible matchup for Carson Wentz, it's not the, the great matchup that we, that we thought it was going to be. Right, right. So – I, I don't I wouldn't trust Wentz in that matchup. Yeah. Right Especially with no with no options to throw the ball to. Um Mark Ingram left the game with an ankle injury as well. Uh this is maybe offers some clearance in the Baltimore backfield. Gus Edwards had fourteen carries. I think J.K. Dobbins had ten or eleven, but Gus Edwards got the red zone carries. I think that Gus Edwards should be a pickup in every week. Uh I mean every league, my bad. But I mean someone's going to do well in this Baltimore running game if there's only two guys now instead of three because it was really confusing. You would have J.K. Dobbins have like 10 carries one week and then one carry the, the week after that. So maybe this offers a little less confusion. But we – I mean, Will, I think you had way more concerns than I did about Mark Ingram this season, and it looks like those concerns are coming to fruition. Right. Um, moving on to our next segment, a little tilt-tastic so we can fill you guys in on how our weeks went. I – I went 3-0 again in my three main leagues. It's really nice. Um, Ronald Jones was a great start for me. He's been quietly one of the, my best draft picks this whole season. I was scared at first when Leonard Fournette signed there, like a two days after I drafted Ronald Jones, but it hasn't hurt him at all. He's been a top 15 back three or four weeks this year. Um, and then in, in one of my other leagues, I needed Kyler Murray to go off, and he did, and I won in that league because of that. So – just all over a great Sunday, and I did tune into that Dodgers game too. I know we don't talk about other sports on this, but that made me really happy. Good weekend. Nice, nice. Yeah, I had the Sanders injury was tough, but in one of my main leagues, I had Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, so that was pretty great. Oh, the stack. Uh, but in, the stack that I dropped Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah, but in the only main league game that I lost, 
Uh, I had Michael Thomas on by, and I don't. The whole story with him is whack. Him getting like benched for punching a teammate, um, and then I had Darren Waller on by too, and Josh Allen didn't play well. It was it was, it was a tough tough game for my guys, but I'm not too concerned going forward. Yeah. Okay. So let's move into Sunday school. So I'm gonna start with my first takeaway. So we talk about sleeper tight ends every year. We talk about if we should invest in Kelsey and Kittle. And this year, I was more on the side of, you know, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to invest in Kelsey and Kittle. And I guess Waller, too. Waller's very consistent. Um, and I think that even more than I ever expected, having one of those top three guys is so essential to a team. Um, you know, sometimes I'm nervous to go out and draft one of those guys if it's below his ADP or if it's above where I, where I think his value's at. But every single week, my tight end position is a roulette in the league that I don't have Kelsey. It's not a fun roulette either. The only one week that I I had a good I, I had a good time was when Johnny Smith caught two touchdowns against Buffalo, but now he got hurt. So it's just you know Kelsey Kittle and Waller will be there every single week. It's a position you don't have to worry about, but you have to fill. And then we we give insight every week on sleeper guys you can fill at other positions such as the flex or such as your wide receiver too. It's just much easier to guess the wide receivers that go off than the Anthony Ferkskers of the world, the Darren Fells of the world. What do you think about that, Will? I mean, uh, I, before the season, I was on the, the train of you take one of the first two guys or for the most part you wait. But I said as out of those middle, like those, that mid-tier of guys, if there's one that's going to send into that, that top tier, it's going to be Waller. Because, I mean, last year he had 90 catches for 1,100 yards and just didn't get the touchdown. I was like, that that shouldn't continue in terms of the touchdowns. And he's still a big focal point of this offense. Um, his weekly target floor is ridiculously high. And he's absolutely in that top tier. And thankfully, I have him in, in a couple of leagues because uh, people were drafting Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, uh, guys like that over Darren Waller. And I was like, that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. I mean, the tight end, outside of those three guys, the tight end landscape is just a complete dart throw every week. Even Mark Andrews is a dart throw. He, this was a perfect matchup, the number 32 defense against tight ends, and he had two catches for 21 yards. So you just – and at this point, no one's going to trade you Kelsey or Kittle, so you just got to keep playing this roulette wheel. But this is my takeaway going forward. What about your first takeaway? First takeaway, and I know it was against Jacksonville. But DeAndre Swift is legit. And unfortunately, you're not going to be able to trade for him now after this game. But he is a locked-in mid-to-high-end RB2 for the rest of the year, I think. He is, first of all, just really talented. And he's showing that. But going into the bye week, he was kind of splitting touches with Peterson. He still, like, Peterson got was involved in this game. But DeAndre Swift coming out of this bye week, He's becoming one of the main focal points of this offense. And the Lions are better than people are giving credit for. They're going to be in a lot of games. The game scripts will not be bad for, for DeAndre Swift. And they like him in the red zone, uh, which, which which prior to the bye week was like Adrian Peterson territory. They like him in the red zone. They use him in the receiving game too. So he has potential to be a three-down workhorse back going forward this year. Peterson will get touches. Like, I'm not expecting Swift to get 20 carries a game, but he's going to be involved in the passing game. I think he is just a fantastic RB going forward. 
Yeah, so I texted Will at about 9.45 a.m. I said, I'm tilting. I'm putting Swift in my lineup, DFS, 4,400 or something like that. And he was the number one running back for like midway through the the Sunday morning games. It was, you know, we talk about rookies coming after buys. After buys, teams like to find ways to get their rookies more involved. And this was the perfect situation playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But like Will said, I do expect this to be the – theme going forward with DeAndre Swift, a guy who they took with a very high draft capital and want to be involved in the game. Um, do you have anything else to say on that point? No, about it. All right. My next takeaway, let's buy into this Texans passing attack. Ever since Bill O'Brien left, I think either Deshaun Watson was sandbagging him to get him out the door or they were playing Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City. I'm going to choose the latter option because all those matchups are really tough. And now that they've gone through two not-as-tough matchups, I expect Watson and Cooks and Fuller to find their – and even Darren Fells was great too – find their form together. Um, I think Watson is back to what, like, fantasy um, star-studded quarterback that you can start every week. And Cooks and Fuller have just been coming through. Fuller's been a top-15 wide receiver every week except for the week where he hurt his hamstring like five minutes into the game and didn't play the rest of the game. So he's a must-start every week. And Cooks, yeah. two weeks in a row, he's had 17 catches over the past two weeks. Another six, another touchdown this past week. So you're just going to keep playing these guys if you love the matchup. I think we got to buy in. Yeah, agree. What about you, Will? What's your second takeaway? Second takeaway, and it's a very unfortunate and sad one, is that we cannot trust Hollywood Brown, period. Or any Ravens receiving option for that matter. Right, but he's the one that we like expected to trust. I mean, Mark Andrews, we know how volatile he is and how touchdown dependent he is. But Hollywood Brown was supposed to be like the guy in this passing offense, and there's just no way to predict what he's going to do. He gets a a tough matchup against a good corner or against a good defense, and he has a great game where he gets like eight catches for 135 yards, or he gets like five for like 77 and a touchdown, and then he gets an absolutely like mouthwatering matchup against this Eagles secondary. And he gets like three for forty-eight. Yeah, I I don't understand like what um what factors are going into like the way he's playing, but he's not consistent enough that like this roulette wheel of when when is he gonna play well? It's starting to become not worth it. Yeah. And I don't think you're gonna get much in a trade for him. So I wouldn't trade him if you have him. But until we see some sort of consistency, just be very hesitant about playing him because he's just he just up and down, up and down. Well, let, let me bring up a, a stat that might uh, describe why Brown, I mean, Brown can't be trusted. So over the past five games, Lamar Jackson has thrown over 200 yards one time, 204 four yards against Houston. When you're throwing for a 97 against Kansas City, 193 against Washington, 180, 186 these past two weeks, you know, Brown needs to find the end zone if he's going to have a good week. In PPR leagues, if he's going to get – 60 70 passing yards okay he'll be fine but with that amount of passing yardage there's just no way Brown has to have a perfect game if he wants to be fantasy relevant he has to have 50 to 60 percent of that of those passing yards to be a good play so well, well yeah I, I mentioned last week on the pod when he was my start of the week like he's he's for, like he was like fourth in the entire league in air yards yeah but somehow he was like 40 something in fantasy points or something like that and I was like well, that's due for positive regression, but maybe not if Lamar Jackson – like the areas don't matter if Lamar Jackson is going to be inaccurate. For sure, and it will come once or twice, but you won't be able to predict it. Right. So 
like he's he's heavily involved and the ball's getting thrown his way but his targets are just not resulting in catches Mm -hmm. and well all like the the analytics and metrics point to some kind of regression i'll believe it when i see it yeah all right that's that's the good way that's a good approach will let's move on to the bops deshaun watson 335 and four against against uh who'd they play jacksonville uh, oh no. no against tennessee tennessee my bad yeah tennessee. yeah tennessee's been pretty um vulnerable to conceding yards but their offense is just so good um watson's back to form i think you're playing him every week uh matt ryan 371 and four on your waiver wire on my waiver wire at least i know you started him i can't believe that <sighs> but i think we have to create a rule 11 for matt ryan if julio jones is is healthy matt ryan is a must start he has he's a top five quarterback the three times that Julio Jones has played this year and the other three, he's been awful. So I don't have him on my team anymore, which sucks. Maybe he'll get dropped later on in the season when Julio Jones get hurt, gets hurt again, but (laughs) yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't predict an injury for Jones. Um, Ryan Tannehill, 364 and four. So I'm going to bring up a stat real quick. Ryan Tannehill over the past 16 games, 36 touchdowns to five interceptions. It's insane. Well, I know I know we argued this whole offseason about Ryan Tannehill, if it was reality, if, it, if he's a contender or a pretender. I think you struggled with it so much because right. the analytics said that he's going to regress. But, you know, he's just so talented, actually. So because no, I, I, I remember at the beginning of the summer, you were saying that he's, he's just going to do it again. You know, you were in right. on it. And then you kind of, like, changed your mind. I, where are you at right now? I mean, I mean, the whole time, like what what I watched on tape said, when this running game is going, uh, like it was against is, Houston, when Tannehill is not a drop back passer, like a shotgun drop back passer, when he's not that, he's one of the most efficient and accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. When he has to become a drop back passer, which he sometimes had to do in Miami, he tends to struggle more. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a, one of the best play action quarterbacks. Uh, he's got some great weapons in A.J. Brown, Johnny Smith. Uh, Corey Davis, when he plays, is good. Um, Adam Humphreys is there, too, I think. So he, he has weapons, not like elite, like, the, like some of the best weapons in the league in the passing game, but that threat of Derrick Henry makes Tannehill so good, and he like it's legit. Like The, the tape said this was legit. The numbers almost just don't apply because of how good Derrick Henry is, like the yeah. analytics, I guess. So it's, yeah. he's, he's good. Yeah, and Houston was a perfect matchup. Pittsburgh right. might not be as perfect, but I, I think Tannehill will probably be a top 15 quarterback start next week. Um, Carson Wentz, 213-2, and two, 5 for 49 and 1 on the ground. Like, this is two tough matchups in a row, but he's found a way. We talked about – I think you can play Wentz against the Giants, but I just would temper expectations just because the Giants perform some voodoo. I mean, the line, the, like the teams always play down to their skill level. I feel like the the Eagles always play to their opponent's skill level. You know, the, they're always yeah. in tough games, but they always are also not able to blow out the bad game, the bad teams as well. So, what do you think about Wentz going forward? I think that like rest of the season, he's probably a quarterback one because of the schedule. Yeah, that's reasonable. I think he's definitely towards the back end of quarterback ones, but. I mean, his, he doesn't have very many weapons, I'll tell you that. But um, Ertz being out, not that big of a deal, honestly. And how about Travis Volgum? Found the end zone again. This guy, yeah. he's not a fluke. He's a legit receiver. And it, it, Wentz 
at least has one weapon there. Hopefully he gets Goddard back. He still has like a couple pieces like Greg Ward. Sean Jackson might return too. Jackson and maybe even Jeffrey too. So if he starts getting these guys back and they start getting healthy and they stay healthy, Wentz has some sneaky potential to creep up in that the upper echelon of fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah. Um. I don't know if Deshaun Jackson's going to be ready to go this week. I've heard some buzz that he might be, but it is a short week. They play Thursday night. I would, I would add Wentz. Maybe if you're a later waiver wire guy, like if you're in the playoffs and you have a later waiver wire, add Wentz. He's going to be good down the line. Maybe not start him this week because, you know, the Giants have just been good across the board and Bradbury is going to be on Fulgham. So he might not have many options across the board. Um, just, but just Wentz should be rostered in all leagues. Um, yeah. Lamar Jackson, this was it, finally, 186 and one, not even a good passing game, but nine for 108 and one on the ground. This is what you needed to see from Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, Kyler Murray, the number one quarterback in fantasy now, 188 and two through the air, uh, another 10, through, 10 for 74 and one on the ground. He's, he's just, I mean, if you paid up for Murray fifth, sixth round, you're so happy about it. He's, if you have Murray, you're in the playoffs right now. There's no other way to put it. Um, Derrick Henry, 22 for 212 and two. <laughs> and a 94-yard touchdown. Too. A 94-yard touchdown where he was like, I don't know if you saw the video from this morning, but the uh, press conference guy was like, uh, you hit 21.4 miles per hour. He's like, it's too slow. It's too slow. He's 6'4", <laughs> 230, and he's running 21 miles per hour. Wow. Um, also added a nice 53-yard catch in overtime uh, yeah. when the Titans were putting the cap on that one. But this was the game. I mean, I think I called it last week, but I was like, this is too easy to make Henry my start of the week. I'm just not going to pull right. a wheel out I'm feeling, you know? So, um, okay, I'm done with that joke. But I just had to get it in one more time. <laughs> but, yeah, Derrick Henry was amazing. And as it gets colder, Henry gets better. Um, let's talk about DeAndre Swift. I mean, we touched on him earlier. 14 for 116 and 2. I think this is the theme for the rest of the season for this Lions team. You know, the Lions haven't had a good running attack in since base, basically um, – like 20 years ago. And I think Swift might be, I don't know if he's going to change that narrative, but like, this is a good sign at least. Yeah. And their defense is playing well. Um, I think I said on the pod last week, I think Detroit's going to handle this game and they, they did. And I think that going forward, they're, they're going to be underrated. And like, I think if you're able to buy low on anyone on this offense, do it now. You're not gonna be able to get Galladay though, unfortunately, and you're probably not gonna get Swift. Yeah, but maybe you can like I don't know, throw a flyer out for Stafford's been weird because Patricia wants to win these games on the ground, and Stafford's a down the field quarterback, and they've been winning like against New Orleans they had to come back, and in this game it, they went up quickly so Stafford couldn't throw and they went up quickly in the running game, but they've been winning some games and Stafford hasn't been putting it together. Yeah, I will say he they have been looking towards Hawkins in the red zone. Um, I've started in the last couple weeks in some of my fantasy leagues, and he's been he's been good, but it's mostly just been on the backs of touchdowns and that two point conversion he had last week. The yardage is not there for Hawkinson, but thankfully yeah. he's kind of making up for it. Ronald Jones, twenty three for one thirteen and two. He wow, good. he he looks really good. This is a great improvement for a guy that we did not think had it in him. Um, I just hope that like Bruce Arians just sticks with it because we know how fickle he can be. Um, what do you think about Ronald Jones so far? Yeah, no, the eye test says he's legit. And as long as Bruce Arians doesn't pull some bullshit, he's a locked in high end RB2 going forward. Kenyon Drake, 20 for 164 and two. 
let's call it what it is. I'm not going to take the 70 yard run away from him, but this was just another, you know, fall into the end zone game before that run. So um, I said it last week after he fell into the end zone, trade Kenyon Drake, right? Are you on that boat too? Probably. Um, if you can cash in high, why not? Right now is definitely going to be the highest value you get for him. Um, but if someone in your league it does, isn't willing to give you that, that really good value that you should get for him at this point, he, he is going to be good enough that you don't want to like just sell him for nothing. Yeah. I mean, Seattle and then Miami after the buy, some, some decent matchups. Um, let's move on to the receivers. Justin Jefferson. My 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 baby, Justin Jefferson, in my DraftKings lineup, winning me some money, nine for one sixty six and two. Wow, this rookie, he 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 has it all. Um, yeah. and I think we got to buy in. I think he's a top twenty receiver going forward the rest of the season because he's in that Stephon Diggs role, and we know how valuable that role was in Minnesota over the past three four years. I love Jefferson going forward. He's gonna have games like he had two weeks ago where he's gonna it's gonna be down, but when they're when they're passing as much as they pass in this game, like we saw it from the start, Kirk Cousins was rattled right away. He threw a few picks early, but that means they have to come back, right? And Jefferson's not the one throwing picks, so he doesn't lose points for that. He ended with like 42 fantasy points in PPR. What did you see from Jefferson? Yeah, I mean, you said it. He's legit talent, and he's – the volume is there. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously he's a rookie, and that's going to scare some people off. But I look at – volume talent and uh how good the quarterback is and while cousins isn't great the talent is elite for him and the volume seems to be elite right now too so absolutely locked in wide receiver two going forward julio jones eight for 137 and two had a great week um finally finally the number two receiver that you drafted or like the number two overall receiver that was drafted comes through uh if he's able to stay healthy if you held on, you're going to be rewarded because this is the rest of the season for Julio Jones. Like, he's just going to have huge games. Atlanta's going to need to pass the ball. Um, and he found the end zone, which is something he doesn't usually do. Yeah. Um, and I think this is also better for Calvin Ridley. With, with Julio yeah. Jones in the lineup, it is better for Calvin Ridley. who had a, He didn't get into the bop section, but he had six for 61 and a touchdown as well, having a nice game. Um, I know you're an owner of Julio Jones. I bet this made you happy. Yeah, it was good. And also, touching on that Calvin Ridley point, generally when Julio Jones plays, it's going to slightly limit Calvin Ridley's overall yardage. But Calvin Ridley tends to find the end zone more when Julio Jones plays. Yeah. Because in the red zone, Julio Jones just demands like three guys on him and Ridley yeah. gets that single coverage. Whereas when, it, when Calvin Ridley or when Julio Jones doesn't play, teams hone in on Ridley and then Matt Ryan ends up either not throwing touchdowns at all, they end up running it, or it goes to someone like, I don't know, Orlando Zacchaeus or Russell Gage or Hayden Hurst. Yeah. All right, Will Fuller. We talked about Will Fuller earlier. And, I mean, Cooks was barely missing this list. I usually put guys who get over 20 points on this list. But Fuller, 6 for 123 in a touchdown. He scored in the past four games. I know people were scared off of him because of the hamstring scares. And, you know, not to pre- – okay, I'm not going to even go into the injuries with Fuller because I don't want to jinx anything. But if Fuller's healthy, you play Fuller. He, he's getting so many targets. He's so talented. He always has the chance to score a touchdown. So it's just it's, – it's great with Will Fuller. Um, do you have anything to say about Fuller before we move on? Not really, but just – yeah, you got the plan. Got it. Christian Kirk, two for 86 and two. Don't trust it. <laughs> I mean, he, he scored 
I mean, he had five for 78 the week before that. He scored in week four. He's had some nice weeks the past three weeks. Um, there's going to be volume in this Cardinals passing attack. And with a matchup home against Seattle next week, you could do worse than Christian Kirk. You could do worse than Christian Kirk, but also this matchup was against Dallas, and he had two catches. So Yeah, but he's going to have the opportunity to catch. He's going to have high, valuable target. Like, Kyler was also like 10 for 24 in the third quarter. Yeah. So he's going to fix that up too. I think Kirk is should be rostered, and if you need a big play guy, I don't think you could do worse than Christian Kirk. I don't think – I think you could do worse than Christian Kirk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on to the tight ends. Anthony Ferkser. I don't know if I said that name correct, but eight for 113 in a touchdown. And, you know, I had Johnny Smith as a very high start this week, and yeah. it was the right start. He got hurt in the second quarter, and Ferkser right. capitalized. So if Johnny Smith isn't back, I think you might be able to play Ferkser Next week, too, it's a Pittsburgh matchup that is tough. Devin Bush tore his ACL, so it might not be as tough as it used to be. So, yeah. But the Titans just love to use, use their tight ends. They're on the field every play because they're, like, that's the personnel they want in the play action. Um, so, and Ferkser looks good, so I guess you can trust it moving forward. Travis Kelsey, 5 for 65 and two touchdowns. This is back to my Kelsey Kittle and Waller effect. You know, you can trust Kelsey every week. When we when we talk about drafting the number one quarterback or number one tight end, you know, they have to capitalize on that draft capital for the pick to work out, right? Because because you're taking a guy that only fills one position. But right. Kelsey, year in and year out, is the tight end one. So he's he's fulfilling that role for you. Um George Kittle, again, seven for one oh nine and, and yeah. one. Even in Jimmy Garoppolo still doesn't look full 100%. They're, they're passing these little dink and dunks, but Kittle got that zero coverage and turned one play into a great fantasy matchup. Uh, what did you see from Kittle? You're a 49ers fan. What did you think? Yeah, he he looked great, obviously. And that touchdown, it wasn't some fluky play. Like he, That was a great route. Garoppolo found him, and then he, he was able to turn it loose. But this, this Rams defense is not good against tight ends. Their linebackers are not good. I almost called them trash, but I'll be nice today. <laughs> Safeties are like decent, but like just in this division, there really aren't very many good. Like, like they're not good against tight ends. And Kittle, there really aren't very many bad matchups on his schedule. Um, and you're not gonna trade for him, but like he's a locked in like top one or two play every single week for the rest of the year. Yeah, Trey Burton. <laughs> Four for 58 and one, one for two on the ground and a touchdown. What did you think of that Wildcat touchdown that we all wanted to go to Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, that's frustrating. Hey, Taylor was on the field right next to him. Burton made the right decision. Yeah, he, he did. But for someone who has Taylor in all three of my main leagues, it was devastating to watch that happen. Yeah, that's just that, that was tough. But Burton, he looked good. He made some nice catches, so I'll give him credit. But He's the top tight end there. He's getting the snaps. He's getting the targets. Mo Ali Cox was inactive. Um, is there anything you want to add with Burton? No, other than that, please let my boy score. Who's your boy? Oh, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Yes, yes, we need that. You know, we, we've been talking about Jonathan Taylor, and I think we need to redirect our expectations. So he's a very talented player, and he hasn't been horrible. He's been very consistent getting within that 14 to 17 point range week in and week out. 
They're going to go on a buy. And I think after the buy is when Taylor is going to start to break out. We have to remember he's a rookie running back. Although he was amazing at Wisconsin, he's still getting used to the NFL and NFL defenses and NFL schemes. He has a great offensive line. I think that, you know, some people are disappointed with Jonathan Taylor so far. They thought that after Mac went down, he'd be a, you know, consistent top seven, top eight running back. Right. I think we get that after the buy. What do you think about it? There's a, there's a good chance of it. I will say these past couple of games have been kind of BS for Taylor just because, I mean, against Cleveland, Cleveland got off to that fast start and then they had to play from behind and, and Taylor wasn't the, the, the focal point of the offense. And then against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colts go down 21 nothing. Like, how'd that even happen? Yeah. So some, some weird game scripts that have kind of – made Taylor not as involved as he should be. But when this team is able to play good defense, control the clock, and, and run the ball, Taylor's a great option. And he is involved in the passing game. Rivers just needs to try to be better. He's not been good. And um, I think if Rivers starts to play better, we're going to see Taylor put up some big numbers. You kind of saw Rivers put it together in their comeback. And Taylor had four catches for 55 yards. That is what you want to see from Taylor. If that's the theme going forward, if he right. scores instead of Burton, if Burton hands him the ball, Taylor's on this bop list right now. So right. I think it's better days ahead for Jonathan Taylor for sure. Darren fell six for 85 and one. Um, if you played him, good job. I did in DFS, but if you were part of that minority, you were very happy this weekend. Rob Gronkowski, five for 78 and one. It looks like Gronk is becoming more and more involved every single week. Um, like with all these injuries, I think the Buccaneers are getting their guys back healthy next week. Um, Evans returned, Miller returned, Godwin returned from injury but they didn't look all hundred percent. So Gronk was still a primary option and they're creating plays for him in the red zone. He missed on another touchdown. That was a little out route. I think Gronkowski is a decent start going forward in positive matchups. Um, you know, him and Brady have a good connection. What do you think about Rob Gronkowski? Yeah. I mean, amidst the tight end roulette, he's definitely not a bad option. I generally like to, to target guys on good offenses. And while this team has some games where they kind of just, really struggle overall. It was like against good teams. They, they struggled against New Orleans. They struggled against Chicago. But he's a he's a good tight end. He's on a really good offense. It seems to be scoring a lot. So definitely someone you can put in your lineups and hope for a touchdown. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to go through these flops. And, you know, they're not all going to be drops as well. But let's just – I'm going to go through them, then we'll talk about some of them. Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Devonta Freeman, Damian Harris – Alexander Madison, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans both didn't have good games. Jarvis Landry, Cooper Cup, and LaVisca Chenault. So just, just really quickly, and, and then I, I, I should have added Landry to this, to this segment as well, but last call to drop these players. If you haven't dropped them yet, I don't know what you're doing, but Landry should be in that, in that uh, part of it. T.Y. Hilton, it, like now that the, they're, they were in a game script where they had to come back, and you know who was getting targets? Zach Pascal and Marcus Johnson. It was not T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., I'm done with him. Golden Tate, those just all guys you should just drop. There's no point in rostering them anymore. Their ceiling is not high enough. Um, let's talk about some of these guys. Devonta Freeman, I want to focus on him because I thought this was going to be a decent game for Freeman. You know, I thought it was going to be a competitive game. He might find the end zone once, maybe even twice, but it just didn't, it didn't come together for Freeman, a guy who I thought looked pretty good. Uh, but I think you're still holding on to him. He's the lead back in New York. They have some decent matchups on the horizon. Uh, are there any other guys you want to talk about? What about Damian Harris? He was your start of the week. 
Well, I'll get to Harrison one second, but for Freeman, I think he might be one of the best guys to trade for right now. And I know that might be controversial because it's a giant. But first of all, last week he had 19, I think it was 19 carries, 19 touches. Every single running back carry went to Devontae Freeman on the Giants. No one else got carries. And when they're, when they're trailing in games, Freeman's involved in the passing game. He's a true three-down guy. And I guarantee you when, you're, when you try to trade for him, the person that owns him is going to see these like, this, like six fantasy points that he had or whatever, and they're going to not see him that way. Like, like he, is, he is a legit three-down running back that you can trade for. He's not an untouchable player. So that's, some, that's like something I want to know. And then Damian Harris, what was that game for the Patriots? He didn't touch like, the ball in the second half. And they were they were losing to the Broncos. The Cam Newton looked awful. The offense line didn't look good. Um, I, I loved Harris going into the week because I was like, this should be a positive game script. Patriots are like nine and a half point favorites, something like that. Maybe it was even like 10. Um, which is what I expected to happen. I expected a dominant defensive showing for them. It just it just didn't happen. Yeah. And I, I I think that Harris is someone else you can trade for. I think they're going to be in better matchups. They're or they're this isn't going to happen again. And Harris still looks like the lead back. Yeah. To me, at least. As long as Sony Michelle doesn't come back anytime soon. Uh, I mean, we talked about all the contingencies there, so we don't have to go into it again. But right. the one week you used your high waiver priority on Alexander Madison. He didn't come through. This was this was the game. Atlanta at home. Um, what went wrong for Alexander Madison? It was mostly a game script thing. Falcons got off to a super early lead. Cousins turned the ball over a bunch. And as as good as Madison is, he's not really a pass catcher. And Vikings had to just throw it a lot. And not the game script people hoped for. Vikings were favored to win this game by four and a half. So and, and that was the impetus behind Madison being a good option. But because they just fell behind early and, and really didn't put anything together until the very end, he just wasn't a good option. Let's talk about Godwin and Evans. So every game that Godwin has been healthy, because, okay, Godwin still – he had five catches, so he didn't kill you in PPR. But every time Godwin has been healthy, the, those three games, Evans has a total of five passing yards. <laughs> and he's added two touchdowns. But is that is that nerve wracking for you, or for Evans I managers? I mean, when this team is good, like when this team's hitting on all cylinders, the receiver like like usually it's like a, a a boon for everyone, right? Like when a team plays well, the players do better. But it seems like when the team does well, the running backs do better, and the receivers take a back seat. So, in in games where they're expected to win, it seems like. Ronald Jones is the, the just the main guy in the offense, and you can't really trust any of the receivers because who knows who's going to get the touchdown. It's it's the yardage isn't quite there, and it's not consolidated enough that you you can't trust anyone for consistent yardage. Something you can really hope for is like a touchdown. And yeah. while Evan, Evans has been a touchdown monster this year so far, when he doesn't, he can really really flop. Yeah, I think you might test the waters with trading Mike Evans. If you can still get trade him high because he's dealt with injuries already this year, yeah. that could be a problem in the future too. They do have a very easy schedule um, going forward, but I think that Godwin is above Evans in Brady's eyes. And yeah. it's not even like that valuable for Godwin, but 
for Evans, it's even worse. I mean, I don't think either of us had him in our top 12 receivers before yeah. the draft. And this was why the volume's just not there, especially with they want on the ball and it's working now and their defense looks really good too. Right. Um, are there any other guys on this bop list? I mean, this drop list that you want to talk about? Um, we can talk about Chenault. I mean, it was a, it was a tough game for him, but I still think you have to write it out. Uh, I didn't start him at all this week, but you know, I'm a believer in this Detroit defense. They have a, a good secondary and I think that you're not like, you're not going to drop him. I know a lot of people are going to be tempted to, because he's you kind of a, a back end bench guy in most people's eyes, but wait it out. He's still a good player. Don't don't drop him yet. Couple starts of the week fouling on the flop list and Damian Harris and Lavisca Chenault for me. Um, it's kind of tough to project where those targets are going to go because Keelan Cole was six for one forty three this week, and right. last week Lavisca Chenault was five for eighty six. So it just does. I don't know. And TJ Chark had fourteen targets but only had seven catches for forty five yards. It's just really it's really tough to understand what's going on in Jacksonville. Let's move on to the to the cops. Who are we picking up this week? Carson Wentz. We talked about him earlier. Um, I think he should be added. I think if you don't have another option, like would you start Gardner Minshew against the Chargers or Carson Wentz against the Giants? Carson Wentz all day. Okay. So let's move on from Wentz. We talked about him a lot. Yeah. Can you start Kyle Allen versus the Dallas Cowboys? No. <laughs> no? I, I don't think so. Um, I think – I just – there has to be better options. I mean, it's it's really tempting to. I think you can in DFS. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't oh, Kyle think, Allen, Terry McLaurin stack. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that Allen's going to be a, a top 15 quarterback play. So yeah. and that's what I'd probably call it a start. But if, like, if you're in a two-quarterback league, someone you could pick up for sure. For sure. Uh, not the worst option. Yeah, I'm just kind of confused. I feel like Dwayne Haskins looked just as good as these guys. Like, what do you think about it? I don't know. I think they have to trade Dwayne Haskins if they're not going to play him. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like Ron Rivera might have – like, Kyle Allen just seems like Ron Rivera's coach's son. It, it just confuses me. I thought Dwayne Haskins was okay. I guess my yeah, eyes I mean, deceived me. Yeah, and if you start Kyle Allen, there's a chance that you might see Alex Smith in the middle of the game. That's so true. There's, That's there's, true. there's a little bit of hesitancy with, with starting Kyle Allen. James Washington had a great game, uh, had a really nice touchdown catch. I think this – I mean, you can add James Washington. It's yeah. tough to know when to play him unless they have a really good matchup. There's a great matchup against Cleveland. Um, they probably play Cleveland later on in the year too. But we – I think we should talk about – and I mean, Deontay Johnson missed the game too, but we should talk about what's, what this means for Juju. He wasn't in our flop section. That's my bad. I should have put him there. What are you doing with Juju Smith-Schuster? I mean, we oh, talked about I mean, this. I mean, yeah. I mean, is, is he the number two? Is he going to be the number three once Deontay Johnson comes Is he the number back? four? Who knows? Because, right. Well, first of all, Claypool is number one. And that's that's becoming established very quickly right now. He is legit. But Juju, I mean, I, I said a couple weeks ago, he's kind of touchdown dependent. And while his offense has been really good, he, I, I'm, I'm completely off Juju. If you can get anything and trade for him, I mean, I would. I would trade him. Is there a world where Juju Smith-Schuster is traded to the New England Patriots this season? I haven't really thought about it, but like maybe. I don't. I don't it, it seems like. It seems like they should trade him. I don't know like what other good landing spots are there for him, but 
he just doesn't he's not involved enough in this offense so yeah. he's he's like a, a borderline flex play but not someone you can trust for any sort of consistent production yeah, we know what the Pittsburgh Steelers do with, you know, guys who are head cases who want a lot of money. Not saying Juju's a head case, but he, he yeah. sees himself as someone who's going to want a lot of money this offseason. And that's just not how the Steelers roll. They, they, pay, they don't pay guys like that. So if Juju found himself somewhere else, I don't think that's, I don't think that's out of the question. Um, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins both should be ads if they're under waiver wires. I think Ed, do you think Edwards is ahead of Dobbins? Do you even, do you even know? Are they tied? Like, can you start either of them? I don't think you can start either one. It's like, let's say they're both on waivers and you can only add one. I'm adding Dobbins. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because long-term over the course of this season, Dobbins has more upside. Um, the more he gets involved, the better. And he's a better pass catcher than Gus Edwards as well. And if they're seeing like a, a same amount of carries, I think you're going to see Dobbins getting more receptions too. So just overall, I think for maybe like if you need it back for this week, you pick up Gus Edwards, but season long Dobbins seems like he has the most upside. Okay. And then Ferkser, if, if Johnny Smith misses, I think you can start Anthony Ferkser. Yeah. Gronkowski can also be started. And just one guy who we should all look out for Goddard's going to be activated. And I think that if he's going to, play against the Giants, you can start Dallas Goddard. That's a good matchup. You know, the Giants, the one place they've been giving up is the tight ends. So um, I think Dallas Goddard's a decent start. Um, Marcus Johnson and Zach Pascal, they both had good weeks. I don't think you can, I don't think you're playing them, but this is just like T.Y. Hilton's show is done. And I think Zach Pascal has looked, he's looked like the best receiver on this team. Um, So maybe you can add him, stash him if they, find themselves in some more competitive game scripts. Zach Pascal will be involved. Tim Patrick has three really good weeks in a row. He looks legit. He does. He has 200-yard games in a row as well. Um, he looks like – like it was maybe a thing where he was, you know, Brett Ripon's favorite target, but Locke, Locke favored Patrick as well. And with Cortland Sutton done for the season, Patrick might be the number one guy alongside Jerry Judy. Well, because yeah, Judy's seeing all the number ones. Patrick mm-hmm. is the number two, and – He's been kind of exploiting that. He has been getting up and down the field, makes some pretty acrobatic catches too. So I wouldn't start Tim Patrick at this point. I just think most teams have to have better options. Yeah. But definitely someone to keep your eye on and, and add in deeper leagues. And then if T. Higgins is on your waiver wire, he needs to be added. We don't need to talk about that very long. A.J. Green had a good game. What, drop him. <laughs> drop him. You're still done? Drop. Yeah, no, no. He just doesn't look good. And yeah, no, I'm done, done with A.J. Green. And then two defenses that I think will uh, will should be added: the Eagles defense and the Bucks defense. Just the Bucks defense just look like a quality team who's just going to get a turnover every a few weeks. You never know what to expect from Derek Carr. A matchup in prime time against the Raiders. Carr could go off. He could throw four picks. You don't know. Um, Eagles D plays the Giants at home on Thursday. I think that's a good play as well. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before I wrap it up? Not really. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on Thursday. I hope you enjoyed the show. Bye.